Well, hello, friends, and welcome to episode 44 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. My name is Eric, and today we are covering the issue highlights for week 24, released on June 14th, 2021. This week's issue is curated by Tony Elharbar, with help from the Our Weekly team members and contributors. As someone who has been learning statistical programming and statistics in general with R since 2005, and yes, just saying that out loud already dates me quite a bit, the sheer availability of data covering practically all domains combined with ways you can integrate R with a wide array of platforms leads me to say that there really hasn't been a better time to dive deep into leveling up your skill set for data science workflows. And when you can find data sets that intersect with personal hobbies or other diversions, especially in these unprecedented times of the global pandemic, that's just the icing on the cake. Data specialist David Newserling, whose journey with leveraging R on AWS Lambda was featured in episode 18 of this podcast, has architected a terrific end-to-end blog post using publicly available data sets from the highly popular Animal Crossing franchise to illustrate data processing, image annotation, and applying machine learning with tidy models for our first highlight today. If you are not familiar with Animal Crossing, it is a relatively newer gaming series from Nintendo, who I'm sure you've heard about in the past, where your player lives in a scenic village and you go about daily life activities while interacting with a fun cast of villagers, and the series is praised for its open world gameplay and immense customization throughout the game. As one can imagine, fans of the game have created very detailed data sets, including the Villagers, which was in the May series of Tidy Tuesday, and even run regular polls to judge their popularity. After performing brief visualizations and data assertion checks with the great Assert That package, David supplies PNG thumbnails of each villager to the Google Vision API using a clever blend of the Gargle package for authentication and the solid HTTR package to send the request all driven with the per package. Each villager's image may result in quite different annotations, resulting in a sparse data set that has a lot of columns with missing values after combining all of the return annotations across villagers. In light of these data, David next fits an XGBoost model, which has gotten a lot of attention in the machine learning communities across R and Python, using the rapidly growing Tidy Models suite of packages to predict villager popularity using the villager metadata and annotations as the predictor set. David states throughout this adventure that his goal is not to find the perfect model, but rather to illustrate the process in this whole journey. As one might imagine, XGBoost in this case turned into, you might say, XGBust, and even attempts at model interpretability came up short due to the aforementioned sparse nature of data. But my takeaways here are that the entire process, from importing data all the way to examining model results, was performed entirely in R 
thanks to the amazing packages available for all of us, as well as performing key checks and assertions that can give you a big heads up whenever something isn't imported correctly or even an API, like in this case Google Vision, did not return expected output. I highly recommend visiting David's blog for more enlightening posts illustrating the integration of R with many other systems for machine learning and other data science tasks. Plus, I'll be honest, I can't resist the pictures of this very cute new puppy shared on his Twitter account. And now we are going to visit the very highly regarded shiny package for our last highlights for today. With its now over five year history, Shiny has been building in many important features to incorporate many. With its now over five year plus history, the Shiny package has been evolving tremendously over these years, bringing in new features that enhance your user interfaces and backend functionality. Certainly, the Shiny team has made great strides into enhancing the Shiny gallery of example applications and ensuring that a lot of the functions built in have concrete examples in their specific documentation pages. But sometimes, with such a complicated endeavor like creating Shiny applications, it's great to have a more narrative around these various features that are being built in so that it's easy for users to relate to how they can utilize new capabilities in their applications. Well, in episode 21 of my very own Shiny Developer Series, I had the pleasure of welcoming our studio's newest software engineer to the Shiny team and previous guest on the Dev Series, Nick Strayer, to give us a great recap of how he was able to join our studio and also get his take on the brand new shiny app stories well don't take my word for it i'm going to play for you a short little clip that serves as a nice preview for this episode right now shiny app stories are kind of well they're very much a kind of an experimental form of documentation one of the things that I kind of found lacking, um, or maybe not lacking, but that I wanted uh, was documentation that really touched on kind of the why instead of the how, because you know, there's lots of documentation on how to use things. And so the app stories are kind of an attempt to take a real world app that wasn't kind of skimped on to be a Kind of a demonstration for something um but that uses hopefully kind of some of the newer kind of more interesting features um and then talks about you know why we use them you know why we use the given feature where mm -hmm. how that made the app better you know how we went about saying like this is a good place to use that feature yeah like i said the the app stories is a new session on the shiny website so kind of right next to articles um so i encourage everybody to uh Go read what we have. Uh, keep tuned. We're going to start putting out more as we get feedback on how people like these, what they want to see. In the full episode, you will also see Nick's awesome demo of the showcase application used in the very first Shiny App Story. And he has excellent advice on keeping up with the Shiny community as well as other advice as you're leveling up your Shiny skill set. 
And now for our last highlight of today, sticking with the Shiny theme. Many times a Shiny application is interfacing with another system in a complex environment to either serve up complex data sets that are immense in size or to call various APIs to perhaps fit machine learning models or produce custom visualizations. Focusing on databases, Shiny, of course, provides an ample opportunity to provide an intuitive user interface for customers who aren't exactly wizards with SQL queries to be able to interrogate complex data sets and also be able to add or perhaps even remove observations or rows from these sets. Well, it can be quite easy to get caught in some pretty gnarly issues if you're not careful with how you handle various operations on these data, data sets. And that's where Thomas Rowe, data scientist for the HDR predictive analytics team, has written a very nice blog post illustrating the ideas of leveraging best practices with transactions of databases through a shiny application. In the example highlighted in the blog, he walks through a simple use case of having users allow to reallocate resources to four different buckets or containers, if you will, and with a logical constraint that the amount that can be transferred must be greater than zero, but also less than what the pool of all the containers resources is available. As someone who is still leveling up their skill set with respect to databases, Thomas's post is chock full of examples of not just the shiny application piece of things, but also how he was able to set up an SQLite database with a logical constraint built in the table creation. That is something I'm going to be exploring later on as well. And the key nuggets for how this is all carried about is that there are different DB execute function calls that are using the highly regarded DBI package to be able to both update the containers that we're transferring from, as well as the transaction to transfer resources for the containers to, if you will. And there can be cases where one or both of these transactions fail for whatever reason, perhaps a bad input or perhaps even server side issues. And that's where wrapping these calls into a try catch call is a great help to maintaining this application where the error can be captured and also gives you the flexibility of rolling back any operations that were in progress to the database so that the database is not corrupted with these changes. You can check out the post in full detail for the complete application code and all the bits that are from the server side to make this database interaction a lot more seamless and, as I mentioned earlier, much less error prone so that no corruption is performed when these operations don't perform as expected. And those are your R-Wiki highlights for today. As always, our R-Wiki curator team has a multitude of great stories to choose from as we produce these highlights, and it's highly recommended to check the full issue so that you can see additional great stories, such as incorporating a pipe-esque programming paradigm 
with ggplot2's plus operator, and a great post on the ROpenSci blog on celebrating World Ocean Day with a little R flavor, as well as a great GitHub repository with excellent R code for modeling and simulation of the European Football Cup. And if you are new to the R Weekly Highlights podcast, you are certainly invited to check out the back catalog for my takes and research on all of the highlighted stories mentioned in previous issues. And I always welcome your feedback. You can all reach me on Twitter with the handle at the RCast, or certainly visit the R Weekly homepage, and there will be a direct link to the podcast specific subsite with a contact form if you'd like to provide your feedback there. I always like hearing from our worldwide audience, and I'm especially grateful to our worldwide audience for making our weekly highlights achieve over 6,000 downloads when I last checked the metrics, and I greatly appreciate that. Well, have a fantastic week, and we will be back with another batch of our weekly highlights next week.